Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. It's pretty obvious. Our town is full of gifted musicians. Feels like you can't go anywhere without catching a live performance in places you'd never seen them in other cities. Yes, this place is teeming with local musical talent. That goes for the engineers and producers too. For young people who have dreams and aspirations of making it in the music industry, this is the perfect place to grow up. So, how is Music City investing in the next generation of music industry professionals? Later this hour, we'll invite students and their music educators to talk about the programs that are making this future a reality for young folks. But first, it's that time of year. The Nashville scene just dropped its best of Nashville issue for 2022. You've been waiting for the results, and they're finally here. D. Patrick Rogers is the editor-in-chief at the Nashville scene, and he joins me now. Patrick, thanks for being here, and welcome. Thank this you. This is Nashville. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Really great to have you here. So give me a little history on the best of Nashville. How did it come to be? Yeah, sure thing. So the Nashville scene, we're a free alternative weekly newspaper um, that's been in Nashville for 34, 33, 34 years now, uh, launched in 1989. And the best of Nashville issue is sort of a, um, I like to call it a tent pole issue. It's our biggest issue of the year. And Every year we round up a reader's poll and our writer's choices uh, to just check out what's going on around the city. Um, it's sort of every sector imaginable from food, music, politics, all of it. And, uh, yeah, it's it's 34 years running now. Just dropped the 34th one. It's my 14th year at the scene. Okay. So I've seen, you know, I'm coming up on my uh, learner's permit year. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. And it's just kind of grown and grown every year. I think we had our largest readers poll response this year how do you guys compile the list yeah um so with our readers poll we used to actually do it in print we would have the ballot in the issue people tear it out and mail it in thankfully as things have moved online we can kind of streamline that process now so with the readers poll we open that usually um in the summer keep that open for about a month six weeks we had 34,000 people vote this year wow so 34,000 voters compile those votes fact check it, make sure there's no uh, you know, ballot stuffing, all that stuff. And then I also get all of our writers together, our critics and our journalists, and we kind of put our heads together and come up with what the writer's choices are for the things that we've covered the most over the past year that we think are, are valuable. It's easily the most popular issue of the scene every year. Oh, yeah, it's got to be. It's also our biggest one. It's uh, 224 pages this year, I believe. Mm. And, of course, a lot of that's ads. Um, and it's a two-week issue. Of course, we're an all-weekly. We come out every week. But a couple years ago, we decided to make it a two-weeker because um, almost nobody can get through all of it in uh, the span of one week. So, yeah. Now, tell me, what is this issue? What does it mean for the community? Well, you know, it's... It's really exciting to me because, of course, that's our job from week to week is cover what's going on, state and local politics, uh, cover the latest restaurant openings, music, all of that stuff. But this is sort of the big one where we kind of step back and take a look and think about what's made a big local impact. And, of course, everybody tunes in for stuff like Best Restaurant, Best Chef, and we're proud to be able to have that stuff, too. But we also like to look at uh, advocate groups and and, you know, all kinds of folks from, you know, sports mascots to mm -hmm. to people who are organizing protests and and and, you know, shed a little bit of light on on the big stuff, of course, but also the things that maybe people aren't noticing quite as much. 
Now, how do people in the community, how do they use this best of issue? I like to call it a coffee table issue because I think people, you know, we're, you know, it's a weekly issue. I hope people are, you know, keep it around, maybe recycle it at the end of the week. That's all good. But this one, uh, really, I think people use it sort of as a, almost like a city guide, like a user guide. Um, it's spots that just opened in the past year. We always try to do like best new restaurant, best new bar. So I like to think of it as a way to, um, you know, kind of you keep that around and maybe throughout the rest of the year, over the holidays, you got folks in town, take them to the best new restaurant, get your reservations now, you know, check out this musician that's dropping a record at the end of the year. So I, I like to think it's sort of the, if, you know, if you're going to check out one issue of the year, and of course I think you should check out all 51, mm -hmm. but if you're going to check out one, I think this is the one to do. Now you mentioned that you had the largest readers poll yet this year. What do you credit that record number to? You know, obviously there's been a, a pretty huge influx of folks in town over the past few years. And I, I, even though, you know, it's, there's a lot of new Nashvillians, I think, who are, who are chiming in and want to be a part of the conversation, want to vote. But also, you know, I, I've noticed that there's a lot of spots that, you know, they've popped up many, many times over the years. Um, and I think people kind of, you know, root root for their the home team, root for the people that have been around for a while. I saw we had our... Uh, our party to launch the issue. And I saw Teresa Mason there, who's uh, at Moss Tacos. She owns mm -hmm. Moss Tacos on the east side. Oh, yeah. And she's been voted in the uh, in best taco in the top three 15 years in a row. Okay. You know, the Ryman Auditorium is almost always best place to see live music, you know. So there's there's recurring things that I think people come back to, to vote for those to make sure everybody knows this is the best one. And then also kind of a fresh energy from people who are new in town and want to chime in. When I moved here, mm -hmm. well, just over a year ago, one thing I was told was grab yourself a Nashville scene every week. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I appreciate that. You can learn. Of course. It, <laughs> I appreciate it. It helped helps me out our pickup rate. We like that. It helped me out a lot. <laughs> now, you know, there's so many categories. How has that list grown over the years? You know, it's every year we kind of revisit because obviously there's the readers poll and um, we want to make sure that it's, you know, we're adding new category, you know, like best CBD. Uh, you know, we want to have the new things that pop up. And sometimes we kind of have to shave off the ones that didn't get a lot of response as well. So every year we sort of revisit the list. Um, there's dozens of readers poll categories and writers. Uh, I think this year we had something like 200 to 250. Wow. Um, and, you know, obviously that's staffers and freelancers and everybody pitching in on that. But we like to cover a whole lot of ground, but at the same time, we don't want it to sprawl too much. So I do shave off some of the stuff that's not as popular from year to year. You know, seeing that this is a highly anticipated list with a ton of excitement surrounding it, will there be any festivities to go along with this release? As a matter of fact, yes. On Saturday, we're having our Best of Nashville Festival, and that's going to have a bunch of vendors and a bunch of winners and uh, you know, people selling crafts and food trucks and performers and, and all that kind of thing. So that's a great spot for people to come and check it out. It's going to be in uh, the Walk of Fame Park, which is down there near Country Music Hall of Fame, downtown Nashville. Great okay. spot. Okay. So let's talk about some of the winners. Yeah. Were there any upsets? You know, one that uh, I kind of consider an upset uh, in the reader's poll. Um, I actually follow this one closely. I don't know. I, I have this obsession with sports mascots. Okay. And this year, Nash won who is the uh, Nashville Predators mascot. He's great. Everybody loves Nash. But it was a very close race for second and third, and Nashville SC got both of those slots. Tempo the Coyote, great mascot. He mm -hmm. came in third. But in second place was Soccer Moses, who's kind of like a fan mascot, unofficial mascot, the dude who's, um, if you've ever been to a Nashville SC game, he's the dude, you know, dressed like Moses and leading the chants and 
Soccer, Every, yeah, everybody he, loves that guy. He, Soccer Moses has actually been a guest. Oh, on okay. This is Nashville. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, just kind of a groundswell of support for him. Maybe he'll take first place next year. But um, yeah, and T Rack from the Titans. He didn't. He did not crack the top three. Oh man, yeah. have to do better in the playoffs. Maybe that's right. What What's the wildest category this year, and who won? The wildest category. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, as far as you know, we kind of come up with a lot of sort of outsider stuff for the writers' poll. You'll find like you know, um, you know, we we drill down into everything from like you know best fried rice to uh, mm. you know best thing you can get at you know five a.m. Um, the readers' poll. That's a good question. I'm not sure uh, if any real outside choices come to mind. Um, Where is the best place to get food at five a.m.? I've asked myself that. 4:59 a.m. You know, times. that's a that, that's a great question. I got to review. I got to review our winner this year. I'm not sure. I can't recall. You know, 250 categories and something like 200 readers poll categories. They don't all stick with me. I apologize. I got you. I got you. Well, <laughs> people have to get the issue and that's discover right. for themselves. So, so let's run through a quick list yeah. of notable writers' picks and readers' choices. Okay. Yeah. Best restaurant. Best restaurant, we went with Locust, which is a spot run by Trevor Moran, who is a wonderful Irish chef. Um, they do a lot of incredible um, Asian cuisine over there, dumplings and fresh seafood and the best tartare I've ever had in my life. And Trevor's a really good, creative chef, awesome staff there, um, and right there in the heart of 12 South. Um, we've given him best chef before, but this year we thought the restaurant was the one that really earned it. I mean, I, I asked all of my critics, and it was pretty Pretty close to unanimous. Everybody thought that that was the spot for sure. All right. So writer's choice, best advocate group. Best advocate group, we went with uh, Healthy and Free Tennessee, which is a coalition of organizations who are all kind of dedicated to sexual and reproductive rights. Um, and especially in the light of this year's row reversal, um, they're doing a lot of por- important work and outreach there. So that's one that our, our writers got together and picked for uh, best advocate group. Best country album got to over in Music City. Oh yeah, this one this one was an easy choice. We actually wrote the writer's pick on this one myself. That's Josh Headley, um, whose uh, new record is called Neon Blue, and um, just a great mix of you know kind of tear in my beer country ballads and mm. up tempo honky tonk numbers. Josh is a really talented guy who's played as a, a sideman and fronted his own band on Lower Broad for years and years. Uh, really toured a lot and just has a great authentic country voice and just a killer songwriter and uh it's the kind of stuff that unfortunately you don't qu- quite hear as much of on mainstream country radio but he's he's sort of locally beloved and i and i hope that um that record has a pretty wide reach because it's a good one all right how about best folk album best folk album we gave to Erin ray she's another longtime local who's uh, whose work I just adore. She's a beautiful songwriter, has an incredible voice. Uh, her record's called Lighten Up and uh, played with a bunch of local performers who are just really, really talented. And, and she's, she's, uh, she collaborates with a lot of folks. She's collaborated with Kevin Morby, and uh, I believe he's playing in town this weekend. Um, so, yeah, Aaron's great. We're, that was an easy pick for Best Folk Album for sure. So, you know, we hold people's feet to the fire mm-hmm. when they come on This Is Nashville. Okay. Patrick, I have to ask you yeah. in all seriousness. Who won Best Daily News Show? Oh, that's a good question. I might have to revisit my. This is Nashville. Won Best Daily oh, News wow. Show. Yeah, that was that's another easy pick for us because uh, you know what you guys have been doing over the past years is, is really great, and we always try to tune in over there. So very appreciative of y'all's work. Oh shucks, for for I will speak for the rest of the team where you say thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely, for that we appreciate it. D. Patrick Rogers is the editor in chief at the Nashville Scene. Their Best of Nashville 2022 issue is out now. Patrick. 
Thanks again for being here. Thanks for having me. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll turn to the youth. It's fall break, so what better time to have a panel of high schoolers? These kids are our future music industry professionals. We'll learn about their passion and the programs that have helped them. Join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Khalil E. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Each year, thousands of people move to our city with the dream of making their way in the music industry capital of the country, whether as musicians or sound engineers. And Nashville has a lot of opportunities to offer, but where about what about the burgeoning music professionals growing up right here in Music City? Well, I'd like to welcome a few of them now. My guests are Ian Conception, senior at John Overton High School, Israel Perez, junior at Pearl Cone High, and Avalon Simpson, senior at Nashville School of the Arts. Ian, Israel, Avalon, welcome to This is Nashville. Thanks for being here, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank yeah, thanks. This is great. So, you know, I'd love to learn more about your interests in the music industry. Israel, how long have you wanted to be in the music business? Since forever. Uh, I taught hmm. myself when I was in fifth grade, actually. Fifth grade? Yeah, it started off very young, maybe even before that, because my family has a whole music background. I love that drive. In fifth grade, I wanted to be a ninja. Tell me a little <laughs> bit about your family's musical background. Wow. Um, it, it goes from just pulling up a guitar at the, the family barbecues to what my uncle joining bands. So I saw that growing up through my whole entire life. And so it kind of inspired me to be like, all right, I want to be the one who's going to make it big or I want to be the one that wants to put myself on the map just even locally, mm -hmm. just get further than my family. Well, what type of music do you make? Uh, everything, anything really. I like to be very uh, very o over the place, all, like all over the place because uh, I don't want to just be confined to one spot because mm -hmm. you can't really, I mean, you could get far, but a lot of musical geniuses get further when they knew, know more than one thing. You want to be incredibly versatile, genreless, so to speak. Yeah, of course. Awesome. So, Avalon, how did you become interested in the music industry? Um, well, I mean, I grew up, I always loved singing and playing guitar. Um, and then I really picked up guitar around my freshman year, and that's what I'm studying at, National School of the Arts. Um, and then that just kind of led to, like, me writing songs and then me getting these more opportunities at school to actually record music and produce it. And I've just been writing songs ever since then. What inspired you to pick up the guitar? Um, honestly, it was, uh, I was a singer, you know, since I was little, but I didn't have an instrument to play to. Um, okay. So I was like, you know, I need something other than just other people. So. Now, describe your music for us. I would probably describe it as rock, maybe just like indie rock, something around there, uh, but like full band type of stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Now, Ian, I understand you recently moved to Nashville from the Philippines, is that yes, right? Yes, sir. So where did, your, where did your interest in the music industry come from? So I've been playing piano for a really long time when I was around 10 years now, I think. But I really started to gain an interest in producing or writing music only like last year because I was start starting to learn more about different ways you can view music because mm. I was learning like actually in my English class how you should analyze texts with like 
you need to look for authorial choices or textual features. And when I started to use that to analyze music and find out how different aspects of music can convey certain feelings. Mm-hmm. So when I learned that, it's like, I'd like to produce music and uh, convey these things through these different musical choices. So you just moved here. I wonder, what were your thoughts when you moved to Music City? I mean, this is the music capital of the country. It was interesting. I mean, I, I came into like this public school, right? And all of a sudden I see in this class, or this one class, music production. Like I have no experience with music production. So seeing that, it was a good, like, wow, even just in this, really accessible school I can ha- I can learn about how to produce music and I didn't think I'd get the opportunity to do that but now here you have it yeah so tell me about the kind of music you make like for what platforms do you want your music to play on well I'm still really new to all of this so I don't really I think have a musical identity or something like that so I'm still trying to figure that out okay okay well you got all the time in the world to do that now, you know, all of you, you have these programs at your schools. Avalon, you're at the Nashville School of the Arts. Yeah. I would imagine it's a pretty good program for aspiring yeah, musicians. absolutely. You know, what classes are you taking that really, you know, help lead direct and that are directly related to your goals of music that you want to do? Um, so uh, I initially just went for guitar. So um, in my freshman year, I was taking guitar and music theory. Um, and then uh, over the years, I kind of like got close with my guitar teacher, and he also has uh, a class called Stage Band, which is basically audio production and recording, and we have a whole studio in there. Um, so we kind of have it split up between like artists, producers, and then like the session players. So we really get to like actually go in and work with people and record tracks, you know, get it done like you would in a studio. And we have like a time limit basically to get these songs done and out on our school SoundCloud. Um, but this year I'm taking, I'm an advanced guitar, songwriting, and stage band. Okay. So yeah, we've got how, a lot of great opportunities there. How long is that time limit? Um. So, okay. So last year it was, we had about two weeks. Um, okay. But this year we're cycling through every artist gets a day throughout the week to get their tracks done. And then throughout those two weeks, you know, it can expand a little bit because it's a little lenient Mm -hmm. because you know it's you know you have to get like a good final product um but there's uh four to five bands and all of us have to have a song done in around two weeks wow yeah Yeah. that's a pretty tight schedule it's like five songs every kind of reminds me how the music industry actually goes i mean studio (laughs) studio time is expensive Mm -hmm. and the labels want you to turn them and burn them yeah and we only have such short class times you know yeah (laughs) so that's awesome now israel what programs are you involved in at pearl cone um, we don't have programs like, uh, like Aria or what was your name? Avalon. 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 Thank Avalon. you. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's uh, all right. Actually, we have a student from, uh, what, NS... yeah. NSA. Yeah. We have a student from NSA. Her name's Aria. That's why I got you confused. <laughs> it's okay. But, uh, we have programs like, uh, music understanding, which teaches you the, uh, history behind music. But like the programs aren't really big. We'd like to be more hands-on with it. We teach you mainly how to get it done. Not only from setting up the auditorium for big days, but... Or just going into the studio and being like, oh, this is how you do this. It's how you set up a track. We like to make sure you're vis- uh, like a visual learner. So you guys are getting the entire production education oh, yeah. in there. Yeah, not only that, we have one studio at the bottom of our school. We have another one on top. 
And uh, the the other one on top is actually our, our student-ran record label called Relentless Records. Relentless Records? Yeah, and it's actually connected with Warner Studio. Tell so, me about that a little bit. Uh, we have a lot of people signed to Relentless itself, uh, may, maybe like six producers, and then you got your your singers, your rappers. You got everyone that you need just to be a record label. And then if they like you enough, we'll, we'll bring... Students from other schools like uh, NSA and like we'll bring them in and we'll help them like put out a song like like I said Ariel we're helping her put out a song right now actually and uh, Warner actually is gonna come in if they like it they pick her up and wow. the rest is now what the future wow. has to offer and that so yeah that's that's what I mean like Pearl Cone has it more hands on and I like to think of Pearl Cone as a um, a career like a what you're going to do after high school. What you're going to do after. Now, what type of opportunities have you had in the music industry through being a, you know, a student at Pearl Cone? Not only just this, but I did do Capitol Records internship. Um, and then I did this one internship, This Is Noteworthy, and it wasn't actually music. It was, uh, I actually did a show with, uh, I did a show on PBS. Wow. It was with uh, Bluegrass. Uh, we had me and then this other girl, from Mississippi, her name was Shanoa, and we uh, we just mainly got to see what a live uh, what a live session would look like while they're on air, and I I was grateful enough to have the opportunity to be actually be on the air with them, so I'm actually there's actually an episode out there floating somewhere. I'm waiting for it to come out so I could see if I did good or not. <laughs> oh man, the smile on your face is infectious. I'm glad you had that opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Colona. We're talking this hour about the future of Music City's music industry professionals. And my guests are local high school, high school students, Israel Perez, Ian Conception, and Avalon Simpson. Now, if, Ian, you mentioned it. You're in music production class. Yes. Tell me about some of the things you're learning there. So it's a very intro-level course because obviously not everybody has similar music backgrounds. So some people are like just coming in. It's like, hey, I signed up for this. What can I learn about music production? So there's a lot of like, how do you make a rhythm? How do you make a bass line? Mm. But for those of us that are a bit more experienced in music, there's a lot of, there's also a lot of free range with how we can use these fundamentals we know and make these different projects. What type of projects are you working on? Just, well, I'm kind of just working on whatever our teacher says. Like, okay, make this rhythm and add some tracks to it and or make a baseline with these kinds of relationships with the the kick drum mm -hmm. so very simple things and seeing how you can like play around with it or make it your own in a sense okay so how is this experience you have 10 years experience on the piano and understanding music but here you come in and you're learning production how is that expanding your entire knowledge of music and more more importantly your creative inspiration i think one of the things i realized while doing this class is the importance of rhythm and i started like cuz i you don't really get much rhythm with piano or that's at least that's something that i didn't really notice mm -hmm. but now i'm learning much more about it and how it applies to different songs and how important it is and even just that, it's already opened my eyes to the potential of music. And Are other students hitting you up to play piano on their tracks? Not yet. Not yet? Yeah. Soon enough. I have a feeling. Soon enough. Now, 
You all have been working on songs. You have a song that you've been working on in class. It's a cover of a Filipino song called Marilag. Let's take a listen to it. Pagasa, luha sa tua. Lamig ng gabi ay inapalitan. Nanginit na pumabalo. I really like that. That's dope. Tell me, how'd you put this together? So, the actual band, right, it's mostly actual instruments, but the only thing I have now to replicate that is garage band. So mm -hmm. I kind of just, I wanted to figure out how can I make this song. I, I wanted to find a song that I could translate into garage band. So I found like different um, things that could replicate it. Different instruments. Now, the lyrics are in Tagalog, right? Yes. Can you just translate the meaning of the song for us? So the word marilag, it's, it means majestic or awesome. That's kind of the general meaning. And it's about, I think, a time where everything will just be bathed in, in light and something really beautiful. That's what the song's about. Mm -hmm. I could feel that now, getting that definition. I totally feel that in the music. Avalon, one of the songs you're most proud of is called Slow You Down. Let's take a listen to that. Did you write that? I did. What uh, what other role did you have in putting that song together? Um, well, I played rhythm guitar. Uh, I did vocals along with one of my friends from school. Um, and I also kind of just guided the band and produced it a bit. And then I did some of the like final editing and mixing. So how is working on your producer chops? How's that helped you expand yourself as a musician? 
Um, it has helped me so much, honestly, with like um, the vision that I come in with a song. Um, I didn't do that too much in my first years of recording music. And then uh, I kind of just went in and I was like, I want it this way. Mm. And that's just how it's going to be. And so I went in there, went in the studio and I just started doing stuff. And I just started using Pro Tools and like making it sound more the way that I want to. And I, you know, I just kind of made my vision come to life. What about that appeals to you? Um, I mean, I don't know. I like taking initiative, you know, hmm. I, I, and it's like, I wrote this song and I showed it to them and everybody kind of felt it. Everybody kind of knew what I was going for. And I was like, it has to be perfect. So good yeah. job. Good job. Thank you. Israel, let's check out one of your beats. That's fresh. That's fresh. Thank you. What platform did you use to make that? Logic, actually. You used Logic? Yeah. Awesome. I know we had a conversation about that before we just got on air, but yeah, Logic is my go-to. How long did it take you? Two days. Two days? Yeah. Man, you all are so prolific. I make music myself, and back in the day, it would take us like six months to get a song ready, and you guys are turning them out two days or two weeks. I love it. What, what are your goals for your career? Tell me. Just... Just to become a known name around Nashville. I mean, like you said, uh, Nashville is like the music capital. This is the music capital. So if I could become local here, then I'm sure the rest will follow. All right. Avalon, what are your goals? Um, I also, I kind of want to be like a local level of famous, you know, like I definitely, I want to do it as, you know, I want to make it my living and stuff. But yeah. How about you, Ian? If I were to be in the music industry, I'd really like the... I guess compose for different video games. I think that's an interesting way to showcase what I see about music. Mm -hmm. Video games, maybe television and film as well? Yes, that also. Okay, so you all have these great programs happening at your schools. I wonder if there's anything not offered at your schools that you wish you really had. Ian? Something that I don't have? Yeah. Hmm. I think I'd like to learn more about maybe more about drums and rhythm because, yeah, that's something I'm a bit limited in knowledge. I thought there was one, but it's kind of an intro level class to different types of world per percussion. Mm -hmm. So if I could learn more about rhythm, I think that would be great. Israel? Um, I would definitely say... The mixing when it comes to vocals yeah I, I might know how to mix the vocals but uh there's a lot of kids at my school that don't so like just giving them the opportunity to learn how to mix that would just yeah that's something that should be on the top like a master class in oh yeah most definitely because vocals could be kind of tricky sometimes oh yeah, yeah very avalon what do what do you wish your school offered for you and your peers um so we focus so much on our like craft that we're there for like our conservatories is what we call it that i I kind of wish that I could like branch outside of music a little bit and like maybe take some visual arts classes or something, but we really just focus so hard on like on the mixing and um, recording and guitar and things that, like that that I just don't have time, honestly. Mm -hmm. That is Avalon Simpson, senior at Nashville School of the Arts. She was joined by Ian Conception.
senior at John Overton High School, and Israel Perez, junior at Pearl Cone High. We'll include links to their platforms in today's episode post, so be sure to check it out. I want to say thanks to you all for joining us. Thank you for being on the show, and I'll say this. Our musical future is in very good hands. Thanks again, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll turn to the educators and city leaders helping to make this possible for kids in Music City. How did you get your start in the music industry? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Lily Colonna, and this is Nashville. Before the break, we heard from some talented high school school high schoolers who hope to pursue a career in the music industry. So, how is our city investing in that education and preparing the next generation of engineers, producers, and managers? Why is this investment worth making? Now, I'd like to welcome their teachers. Brittany Edmondson is an academy coach at Pearl Cone High School, and Nathan Barner is a music teacher at John Overton High. Brittany, Nathan, thank you so much for being with us. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Now, Brittany, can you break down what you do for everyone at Pearl Cole as the academy coach? Sure. So as the academy coach, it is my job to be the liaison to bring in partners to our school so that students can get the real world aspect of what they're learning in industry. Also to give them experiences and just kind of position them to have opportunities to get some feedback and also networks, um, things that they otherwise wouldn't have opportunities at, um, have those partners not come in and partner and be with the school and the students. What is the mission of the academies there? So our mission is to prepare our students to be college and career ready. The emphasis on just getting them experiences, making sure that they're able to take the didactic work, right? So what they're learning from the book and apply it to the real world. We want to increase not only their self-awareness, but also exposing them to the opportunities that they have and giving them more choices and understanding that they have more possibility than what they may have otherwise thought. Now, earlier we had Israel tell us about the student-run record label, Relentless Records. Yeah. Give us a brief history on that. How did it start? Oh, wow. So, yeah, Relentless Records um, has been... Let's see, we've been around for about 12 years now. Um, it came about, we had partners um, in Music City from uh, Warner Music to uh, the recording industry. Um, there were teachers and there were just local people who were really just interested in having an opportunity for students. And so we started the record label at Pearl Cone High School and it's student ran. And what you've seen over the years is that not only do students learn that production um, aspect of the record label, but they're also serving in business um, place positions, right? So you've got your publishing, you have your president, you have your A&R, and um, they're at a place now because we have a contract with Warner Music where they help to distribute students and just come in and teach them, right, that business aspect of the recording industry. And so students from all of Metro schools can come in as artists, and our Pearl Cone record label students actually are their producers, they are their managers, they are A&R, as you heard Israel say. And so right now we're at a place where we've gone to like 2.0 record label, right? Okay. And we're getting ready um, with one of our interns from Big Picture, Ariel, to release her single. And our students um, have produced, it's all student ran, right? So 
they've written the song. Israel, um, Israel helped produce that song, and Jerome helped produce that song. And then they went the other day and did her wardrobe. And we've got cosmetology and personal care at the school, and they're doing her makeup and helping with imaging. And we've got the marketing that's out there for her social media. Mm. And Warner's just coming in and saying, okay, we're this big machine, and we want to just help leverage and get your music out there, but also show this process of learning. Mm -hmm. I wonder if Relentless Records would be interested in signing a middle-aged musician who graduated <laughs> high school a long time ago. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Now, Nathan, you teach production at John Overton. How did you first realize your students were interested in music production? So we used to have a music pathway at our school a few years ago, and part of that, I taught a music theory class. And, you know, I, I just kind of noticed my students started to get maybe a little bit bored with that class. You know, we're doing all this theory, but we're never really getting a chance to use it, to apply it to anything. Um, and so one of my students, I knew he had he'd been making some music on his own, on his laptop. So I kind of talked to him. I talked to the class. I said, hey, how would you guys be interested? And, in, you know, maybe we can, you know, spend a couple weeks just going to some groups. We can make our own music. We could, you know, record, do a cover of something. And they were very excited. Um, and so I brought, you know, my laptop, the, the other student brought his laptop. I kind of scrounged some things from the library and we had just a blast in those couple weeks of just making music together and really applying what we've learned into an actual project. Um, and so I kind of reached out to our district office and said, Hey, if there's any chance that there's some technology I could get, I would absolutely love it. And it just worked out that, um, Save the Music Foundation and Song Farm were actually reaching out to the district office, looking for some partners for, um, their brand new technology grant. And so we were so lucky to get that and to start uh, just having materials in a class for a designated music production class. So how do you combine like lessons about music theory, which the kids may find a little bit boring, along with their interests in production in this modern music? So the way I kind of structure my class is the beginning part is kind of that music theory, those fundamental skills, and then kind of towards the end of the year, the second semester, it's, okay, let's get into some groups, so let's do some individual things, and let's do some covers. Let's start to make some of our own kind of thoughts into music. So there is a lot of that fundamental process because some of the students in my class have never taken a, a piano class, have never taken a guitar class. They don't know what a quarter note is. They don't know what a C chord is. So there is a lot of kind of working with some of those um, students who don't have that fundamentals with the students who do. And it's really cool to be able to see them work together and to see how each of them kind of fit into those groups where someone who might be, you know, a really great guitar player, but there's somebody who's just got a great ear and knows how to structure a song, but mm -hmm. may not have that practical experience. So it's really cool to be able to see them kind of grow together. What type of music are they making? <laughs> so there's it's it's interesting. There's a really strange um, variety. So I've got some uh, a student who's a, a junior who's obsessed with classic rock. So we've got some Rush fans in there. Okay. Um, you heard um, Ian who was playing some of his um, you know Filipino music. There's a lot of hip hop. There's a big range of everything. Even some they'll come up to me and say, Hey, Mr. Brown, I'm going to work on a blah 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 genre song. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. But it's interesting just seeing how individualize they like their music and how they can bring that into the classroom and share it with each other mm. investing in these kind of programs can be really expensive and my next guest is on a mission to ensure that all metro schools have robust funding for the musical development of students brian sexton is the chair of the advisory council for music makes us a music advocacy group brian Thanks for joining us. Thanks for, thanks for having me. I love the show, man. Thank you. Really appreciate that. You know, you know, music makes us, it has this unique relationship with the city mm -hmm. and the community. Mm -hmm. Tell us, 
Can you tell us a little bit about what some of the work Absolutely. that music makes us does? Absolutely. Well, I'm a community developer uh, by day with MDHA, and uh, we have this project called the National Promise Zone that supports education throughout the city. Part of that is Music Makes Us. And Music Makes Us is a unique public-private partnership um, with the community, the mayor's office, and the Nashville community. And basically, the whole goal of the organization is to, is to support our students, to make sure they have all of the resources they need um, so that they, too, can go out, excel in school within their given music program, and then one day hopefully come back and reinvest those talents back to the city of Nashville. And so we are a 20-member advisory council. We have more than 20 members. Um, but that is what we work towards. We meet and try to work out the kinks and making sure <clears throat> that all of our music programs are supported and all of our music teachers are supported. How did the organization get its start? Well, it launched in 2012, Mayor Carl Dean, and it's, it was this thought of if Nashville is being recognized as the number one place to record, um, our schools should reflect that. Our Metro Nashville public schools should reflect that same energy. And so this idea of this advisory council coming together to make sure that, you know, every student, the young voices you just heard, they have everything they need to be number one, and they're given uh uh, passions, whether it's songwriting or whether it's behind the scenes, you know, the advisory group came together with that goal of making sure everybody had what they need. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Colonna. We're talking this hour about the next generation of music industry professionals. My guests are educators Brittany Edmondson from Pearl Cone and Nathan Barna from John Overton High and Brian Sexton from Music Makes Us. Now, Brittany, you find and develop these partnerships with the music industry to create opportunities for the students at Pearl Cone. How can the community in general help with those efforts? Yeah, so a part of it is just reaching out um, and saying, I have this connection or I want to come in. Um, sometimes they donate uh, different pieces of equipment. Um, they reach out and say, what are your needs? Um, partners and community partners even help in our general education classroom. So um, a student who, I really don't like Macbeth, but how does it relate to me? And students taking that and working with our partners like Country Music Hall of Fame and increasing their literacy um, through songwriting and then rewriting, you know, Macbeth to mm -hmm. appeal to them. And, you know, it turned into our students performing, you know, at the Bridgestone Arena with original music. And so it is sometimes just showing up. For our students, those connections make all of the difference. Um, and you have that gym in the classroom who's typically quiet or doesn't like going to school, but they know that they're looking forward to something. And so they can always reach out to me. Um, just send me an email. Do you, can I get my email address? Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Brittany, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y dot Edmondson, E-D-M-O-N-D-S-O-N at M-N-P-S dot org. Reach out to me and then our Pencil Foundation will help do the rest as far as your background checks. Well, if you ever need somebody to pound the table about the merits of early 90s and mid 90s hip hop, I'm your guy. <laughs> now, Brian, this yep. partnership between mm -hmm. you, know, you see, you, thank you very much, Brian. This this partnership between the mayor's office and MN, MNPS is is really unique. So, mm -hmm. tell me, why is this investment so important to the city? Well, because again, you know, Nashville being Music City, we have uh, incredible students that work really hard, um, and again, this is just kind of crazy to think that uh, with so many resources Nashville has. And some the incredible people that come here to record that our music programs don't reflect that home base for our students here to one day go out 
and tour or work within the, uh, uh, again, there's so many different professional avenues that a student student can take in music. We just want to make sure that they have the foundation to do so. So we partner with the CMA Foundation, Gibson Gives, Save the Music Foundation, Song Farm, Notes for Education, um, to ensure that investments are made in each classroom. And it and that's why it's important because, again, to be Music City, but our programs within MNPS don't reflect that same energy is, you know, that would be a missed opportunity. So that's why it's important. You know, if Nashville is known for Music City, again, our school programs should reflect that same energy. Music Makes Us has been at it for 10 years. Yeah. What type of impact has it made in the city over yeah, that time? Yeah, yeah. Um, we've invested into uh, equipment for our students. Um, we have, again, our teachers that need professional development. We're making investments in that space. Um, our main goal, as I would like to think, is being a broker between the music stakeholders within the city of Nashville and our music teachers and principals and students to broker more relationships to, to continue to make um, whether a school needs uniforms or they need transportation covered to a celebration we just did with Overton, which was phenomenal. Um, you know, those are the types of investments that we make and we will continue to make just, just, just to ensure that every student has access to a high quality music education experience and opportunity. Now, Nathan, your program is relatively new. What do you need to grow the program? I think at this point, I just kind of need some time. Um, so when we first got our equipment and I started the music production class, it was unfortunately during COVID, it was 2020. And so I was teaching that class virtual. So we were so lucky to have the equipment because each student could take home, you know, their iPad Pro, their MIDI keyboard, their headphones and everything they needed to really be successful in the class. Uh, right now, we just need to do some more recruitment and build our program. Right now, we're just kind of, you know, we've got one one class. Um, but um, the great thing about it is that the studio is available all day after school as well during the lunch. And that's where I see the, the growing happening is just seeing more kids in the studio, whether it's my class or not. Uh, because like I said, a lot of them are able to work together, collaborate, you know, help, help someone meet, you know, uh, something that they're not quite understanding um, in the studio on their own time. And it's really cool to be able to make them to see all that. So right now I think it's just time, just some recruitment, build the program up. Um, but if anyone is, you know, willing to help out, like Brittany said, just reach out to the school, whether it's us or another MNPS program, and we will find a way for you to help us out. Just make that connection first. You know, I bet you guys are really inspired by these kids every, oh, yeah. every, every day. You know, what's it like to see this talent and to work with them day in, day out? So one of the things that I think we were struggling with in school is just a lot of apathy where students just, they're not interested. They're just kind of bored going to school. And so it's great being able to see kids get excited about something. Our graduation coach last year was able to kind of use this as a way to say, nope, you don't get in the studio unless you're passing all your classes. And mm -hmm. it's a great way to inspire the kids to get motivated in their other classes. Um, and so I, I just think it's cool being able to see the excitement coming from the other teachers who are like, oh, I can use this in this other way or just in the students who are getting excited about it. So for me as a teacher where burnout is very common and unfortunately it happens, it's just, it, it's very invigorating to see the kids get excited. I get excited and that makes me a better teacher. Brittany? 
Yeah, I was just thinking about, so when Israel played his his track, but the students sending um, their projects to me or, you know, just stopping by and I know the words of their song or, you know, just listening to different beats or, you know, just seeing them do something and be something different than um, who they may seem to be, right, in, in some of their classes or who they are in the neighborhood. Like, in this moment, you're creative, and I just want to share that with the world. So that inspires me every day to drive over an hour sometimes to work. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's uh, I'm going to ask you this, Brian, you know, yeah. like, where can the music industry, yeah. how can they continue to invest in these programs, invest yeah. in what's happening at Pearl Cone, yeah. invest in what's going on at John Overton, and yeah. invest in Music Makes Us. What can the music industry do, since it's benefited so much from right. being here in Nashville, how can they, I know they pay back in many ways, right. how can they pay the youth in this instance? Yeah, just by being present, showing up at these wonderful schools we have, you know, allowing students to tour their facilities, um, mentorship. Um, there, there are numerous things that our music community can do to make sure that a child has a high-level experience when it comes to music. Um, you know, when you, you, I, the, one of my favorite quotes is, is Felicia Rashad, before a child talks, they sing. Before a child walks, they dance. Art is fundamental to human expression. And so children are born into the creative mindset, if you think about it. And so all of our wonderful stakeholders here in Nashville Show up to these schools. Come by. Stop by class. You know, take some kids on tour with you one summer. You know, granted the the right you know uh, uh, appropriate approvals, of course. But that 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 type of stuff, right? So so it's a lot of a lot of cool things that our music stakeholders can do to engage with our children. I want to thank you all so much for being on the show. That was Brian Sexton with Music Makes Us. He was joined by Brittany Edmondson from Pearl Cone High School and Nathan Barna from John Overton High. Thanks to you all for being with us today, and thanks for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. We want to thank everyone who tuned in this hour. This is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Our producers are Steve Harouche, Rose Gilbert, and Paige Flager. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos-Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tuthope. Shout out to our intern, Tori Hoover. The masterminds behind our theme music are Laurent and Namir Blade. Special thanks to Jeff Smith, Jalen Mosley, and Micah Gleaves. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This Is Nashville. I'm Khalil Colonna. We'll see you on Monday, everybody, and be good to each other.